So first things first, Julia, how are you? I am good. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. It's it's a bit strange because they issued a curfew here in the Netherlands and some people are rioting, which which is weird. <laughs> but other than that, I'm fine. I mean, I, I don't really notice any of it. So. Wow, uh, people are rioting against the curfew? Yes, they, they think it's an infringement upon their freedom. But mm. it's, it's mostly, I mean, I, w- I would say it's mostly uh, soccer hooligans who would just need any excuse to go rioting. So it's mm-hmm. just, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's just strange. Like, like last year has been, I see now a continuation of kind of last year, unfortunately. Yeah, but, I think everybody hoped that it would hit the new year and at the strike of midnight, everything would go back to right. life as we knew it before. And because you had all the positive news with the vaccines and you thought, okay, maybe, maybe we'll be able to do some festivals uh, mm. by summertime. Mm. And now that's kind mm. of dwindling and stuff. So it's a, it's a strange time still, but uh, mm. luckily we have some, some uh, more fun things to talk about, like your new album. So let's, uh, let's jump straight into it. Uh, I read somewhere that this record was recorded between 2015 and 2019. Now, how do you kind of work on this record amidst doing all the other things that you do? Did, were there just ideas that you store away for, for later? Um, I mean, a little bit. I mean, a lot of stuff happened early on, like from 2015. The song that comes out this week, actually, um, we all have. Um, that was the first song that... Um, that was written for the record and that started the ball rolling on writing the record. Um, I was in New York and so what what I do is I tour a lot of the year with Angus and then when the tour would finish uh, I would go to New York most of the time. Um, I had some other places that I liked to go as well but New York was one of the places I really liked to spend time because Thomas was there and um, we had a really... Um, we have a really lovely friendship and um, and I felt like being in the studio with him and writing was um, very quickly becoming one of my favourite things to do. So um, I'm somebody who finishes a tour and just wants to keep playing music. Um, I'm not good at doing anything else, really. <laughs> I just I just want to keep going. So I'd go to New York and I would write with him. And Thomas had a studio down in, I think initially he had it in Dumbo. Um, and then he moved up to Midtown in Manhattan. And, yeah, we, we just, you know, sometimes it would be um, a situation where I would send him like a voice memo on my phone of an idea I had Um you know, at soundcheck or something or in a hotel room and send it to him and then he would send me back a track that he had built. And we did a bit of back and forwards, but mostly he'd build the track and then I'd get to, I'd get to, um, get to New York and start building it up. And, you know, because it was five years in the making, it was, you know, sometimes four or five songs a year, sometimes seven or eight. And by the time we got to 2019 and and Annie came on board, we had about 30 songs okay. um, in all different forms. And uh, that's where we knew we were stuck. We were we were like, okay, it's definitely time to, to get right. someone on board to help us finish this. Well, before we get into that, uh, now I'm sure you've answered 
this question loads of times before, but what makes your connection or your chemistry with Thomas so, so fruitful? I think it's something about how he sees me uh, as a person. Um, I always felt very early on with Thomas when I first met him. I must admit at first I was a bit in love with Thomas and, um, and I found him to be someone I, I was really comfortable being around and not just comfortable being around, but comfortable being myself around. And he celebrated me and celebrated all of the different parts of me. And I think to some degree, because I started quite young in music, I had learned to curate my um, my way of talking and being um, even in terms of like press and stuff like that um, to uh, be suitable to, to kind of um, the image of what the music was that I was making. Right. And it wasn't completely who I am. And I felt all of a sudden this person um, really going, yeah, that's, that's cool. Like that part of you. And I was like, Oh, that's funny. Cause I don't bring that out that often. And, um, and then also I don't bring that out that often in music. And he was really pushing me to like be that in music, you know, like do that or make that choice or try that. And it opened up a way of songwriting that was really uh, exciting and new to me. And um yeah. And that's where I'm um, like a song like Unreal came from. It was about the feeling of being with Thomas and feeling um, so myself and so seen. And, um, and yeah, uh, I, I definitely think um, that that friendship has changed my life in a lot of ways. Because I can imagine that cultivates kind of an, an environment where you can be completely free creatively as well, where, where you don't hesitate to, to put forth uh, certain ideas. Yeah, I mean, it looks like from your room that you're also a musician. I, um, I have some guitars. I, I'll keep it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you would know as a, a creative person that it's um, sometimes really easy to be creative in your own space and on your own, but you put someone else in the room and it can feel like um, you're very vulnerable or you are shy or you don't want to maybe go for things or try things because it might be embarrassing or you might make mistakes and and over the years of co-writing and even writing more and more with Thomas and you know even with my brother and other writers I've realized the best part of writing is making a fool of yourself and going for things and often out of the very bold choices come really interesting um interesting ideas and um you have to you have to be willing to try anything and and um, and having an environment that feels safe where you know the person really is going to celebrate your triumphs and not um, ridicule your falls is um, is really special. So was that kind of the approach then with this new record as well? That over, Did you do a lot of experimenting the last five years where you just try to... F- tried things out and because it's sonically it is somewhat different for you yeah you're right it is sonically and and I think even lyrically different for me and I think because of a lot of what what you just said a lot of experimenting and trying new ideas for instance I I hadn't done a lot of um spoken word writing um I started to find that to be really fun where Thomas would play a track and I would find myself just freestyle kind of poetry over the top and I wasn't singing I was just speaking things and um and I felt like um 
yeah, I felt really free doing that. And I found myself following ideas or stories or tangents that I, I just don't think I would traditionally do with a guitar writing a song um, or with a piano writing a song, which is how in the past when I've written songs on my own, it's usually, you know, with the guitar and singing. But all of a sudden I had this, you know, quite a built-up track that was like breaks a good example of that song was mm. really formed when I started writing to it. And he played it and he was just showing me stuff that he was developing. And I said, I want to, I want to just try and sing over this one. And he, um, he looped it, you know, it went for eight minutes or something and set up the microphone and he just hit record. And I think probably 85% of that okay. song was just that first, first run through of going, uh, so I left and started dancing under the streetlights and you saw me and I saw that you saw me and I wanted to be, and I, I don't like your friend. And, you know, like I just found myself on these uh, adventures in my mind of, of oh, things nice. that had happened in the, in the past. And um, yeah. But what, what I find interesting about it is uh, I, I hear from musicians every once in a while that when they write lyrics, it's, it's initially a stream of consciousness thing where they just talk or they, they hum a kind of a melody and certain words kind of flow out. And then only later they, they kind of find meaning in those things. So was that the same for you then that you kind of, as you were writing maybe subconsciously these lyrics that, that you put something in there, uh, yeah, that, that, that made sense to you only later? Yeah, I think that's a really, um, I think, you know, sometimes you feel like you have to say this is what this song's about and mm. that's really not necessarily the truth of how it happens. I think in how you just described that, for Break in particular, that was a song that was written without um, a preconceived idea about mm. what it was going to be about or about a story and, and you know, after the fact you go, oh, I think it could be about this or, or, you know, but I feel like in a way I'm just like somebody listening to the song, making up an interpretation that is, um, you know, as valid as how you hear the song or anybody hears the song. I, I don't feel like um, my, my version of what it's about is necessarily true or accurate. It's just what I think when I listen to the song now and, um, yeah, I, I like that about music. I, I often think that's one of the beautiful things is people write songs. Sometimes they do write them with a meaning, but people hear it completely differently and have their own meaning. And and sometimes they don't write it with a meaning at all. And it, it takes on a meaning after the fact for the writer themselves or for anybody. Sure. Have you ever had then uh, that somebody else's interpretation kind of changed your own or affected your own? And that doesn't have to be for this particular record, but just in general. Have, have you ever kind of, as songs evolved in that way for you? I think I'm just trying, I know that this has happened and I'm just trying to remember for what song and when that it then started to become that for me. Mm. Um, well, if it escapes your mind, we can move on. That's That's okay. Well, I think very early on in, in when I first started writing songs, one of the first songs I wrote was a song called Wasted. And um, the song was I'm So Wasted on You. And that was the chorus. And, and initially I wrote it as a love song about being like punch drunk love on mm. somebody. And I just feel so wasted on you and you're 
your company and I remember before I'd even recorded it I'd just written it and I played it for a friend and and she said oh I love that you know because sometimes you really do feel like you're wasted on somebody like and she was talking about the context of um being not not seen and not not completely valued by somebody and I was like oh yeah that's um that's really good like that's a um a great way to think about it and and often when I sing that song now that's how I think of it I think of it as not being like oh I'm so wasted and drunk and in love I'm like you don't really see me well I I find interesting that you give that example because when I listen to substance that that kind of had a similar effect on me where it's it's this almost play on words where you can uh, you want substance, but there's also the notion of substance abuse, and and it's it's a very interesting. So so was that deliberate? Um, that also wasn't deliberate. That was um that was predominantly about wanting something with somebody that's deeper than um just uh just about being with someone because of an idea, you know, mm. an idea of who they think you are, um and wanting for someone to love you because of something bigger than that. Um, but I, I do you saying that um, one of the guys who I wrote that song with was talking about how he liked that as well. And it, it's, it's, it's nice when things like that happen. Yeah. It's, it's the line uh, you're giving me nothing. It's uh, fucking me up. That's it's, I mean, that's a mm. perfect description of what subs, uh, drugs or alcohol or any kind of substance abuse will do to you. So I, I find that very interesting. Well, that's, I mean, there you go, Robin, you're the, you're the person who's now changed that for me now forever. <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, in a good way. I'm going to okay, be on stage good. just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. Well, the, you, you mentioned the first song that you started working on was uh, We All Have, the next single. When you, when that idea started, did you always have uh, that male vocal or and, and maybe in particular Matt uh, in mind? No, actually, um, when we first wrote it, we felt that the song was really finished. You know, we we actually lived with that original version for the whole time. Very few changes were made. And when Annie came on board, she um, removed a few parts, I think, and also added in some, uh, from memory, some, uh, I think, Reem and um, some subs. And, you know, we were really... Again, like I, I always felt a real affinity and affection for that song because it was the first song we had created together. And um, but it was Thomas who um, last year, I think it was in 2020, and he said to me, "I really think I really think it would benefit from a deep male vocal coming in and saying love is all we needed to be here for." and I really liked the idea. Of course, I love Matt and I love The National and he's just remarkable. And when Thomas said, I'm going to ask Matt if he wants to sing on it, it was like, yeah, that's that's definitely, that's going to make the song complete. And I didn't realise it needed that or that the song was incomplete. It felt mm. finished. Um, so it was very, yeah, years and years later and, and Matt, did such a beautiful job and it's a real moment I feel like when his voice comes in it really hits you and it's such an important sentiment to me you know it's very simple just like that's what we need to be here for but when he says it, it um I don't know I really feel it so do you remember the mindset you were in as you wrote that song because it is a very optimistic kind of it has a very optimistic outlook I would say the, the, I the mean <laughs> 
Yeah, sorry, go on. I no, 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 that's fine. I, I wrote down the alignment uh, to be okay for now. Uh, so yeah. so that idea of it, it's, it's okay that things aren't going your way all the time. I mean, you have to kind of, uh, that's, that's part of life in a way. You, you shouldn't dismiss those feelings. And then it, it's very optimistic, I would say, that, that song. So what mindset Thank were you, you in when you wrote that? Yeah, I, I guess I, I mean, it's again this sort of like um, there's a little bit of making up at, at this stage so many years after the fact. So I, I, <laughs> I <laughs> it's like when people ask me questions about my childhood, I just feel like going, I remember nothing before 20. <laughs> like it's just like gone. Um, but I do remember snippets of um, snippets of time. And I think we all have at least like looking back now, I, I feel like, that's always been a sentiment that I've tried to keep alive in my experience of um, the challenges that life presents is that we have the capacity to be okay, even when it is really difficult. Um, I really, really wanted that song to come out this year. Um, sorry, last year. Um, and I'm really happy it's coming out now because, of course, it's a time where it's. Um, I feel like a really nice message to, to put into the world that we do we do have the capacity as humans to be okay. I'm not saying, and I also think, I also strongly believe it's totally okay not to be okay. I think it's like a very important part of being a human to not feel like you have to be fine all the time. Right. But, um, but yeah, I, I like, I like that sentiment of the optimism of um, things will fall apart and, um, and you just need to let it be that for, sure. for when it's that. Maybe this is somewhat of an unfair question, but if if we look back at last year, 2020, and um, I mean, you, you wrote, uh, you did a song for the um, bushfire relief, and um, it was it was just in general a very tough tough year. But have you found any silver linings, either personally or maybe in, in the music that you do, or just looking at the world? Yeah, I, I mean, um, think. Uh... I think um, probably one of the one of the things I felt like the year did for me was it gave me um, a really um, uh, a new perspective on. Um, of on on this just what I said before on not being okay and um I think in the past I have um really struggled to sit in the discomfort of not feeling quite right about mm. uh myself or also sitting with people that are close to me in their discomfort and um the year opened up a lot of doors for me to um, sit in that and um, and sort of face what you think is like a beast of um, a feeling, but it, mm. it, I think by sitting in it sometimes you can uh, realise that you're quite strong and resilient and um, have a capacity to to get through things. And um, And I think about that not necessarily in relation to you know, to COVID, but just sure. also just in relation to the, you know, to mental health and to um, how we are all individually surviving as humans. And that's something that 
I think when you're busy and you work hard and I, I've always been a hard worker, you can avoid you can avoid that through through being a workaholic or be, being um, being always on tour and always uh, you know always performing and and that was something that surprised me how uh, I guess how much I've, I, I had avoided that before. Okay, is is that where a song like uh, "Fire in Me" then comes from, as well? That you to kind of find that that strength in yourself. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I wrote "Fire in Me" um, a, a few few years ago, a couple of okay. years ago. So, um, but I, I I think now to fire, "Fire in Me" is um, like when I sing it, I uh, I definitely feel like where it came from is I'm, I'm a very I think I am a strong person, and I I definitely. I'm all of those things, I guess. It's like mm. that's what the record is. It's like I, I like that about this record and what how I tried to reflect that in the album artwork was this multifaceted um, reflection of being a human and and it's not one thing. You're never one thing. It's never that simple. It's um it's a bit of a mixed bag and you know uh, something like fire in me is that really uh, that feeling of being empowered and being able to do do anything and you know survive at all costs and um and then you got a song like um i am no one <laughs> which is just like you know feeling that small and feeling that insignificant and making really bad choices and not being conscious of what you're doing in the world and and having guilt and shame around that and so you know i i, I guess yes fire in me is is that resilience and is that strength and but the album also reflects that other other part of how I, I feel about myself. And to kind of create this cohesive all within the album, um, am I right in saying that Annie played a big part in that? Because you mentioned you, you had about 30 songs uh, kind of somewhat done and then you have to distill it down to about 13. So uh, how did you do that? Annie is a really um, incredible person. I mean, she's just, she's, deeply funny and highly intelligent and very warm and she cares a lot. And um, one of the first things she did was she came into this, once she decided to take on the project, she came into the studio and Thomas and I played her the songs and she sat there with a notepad and pen and listened through every song and, you know, kind of made a few comments, but mostly was just really listening and, it was like in that moment or she had decided on the songs she wanted to work on. And um, some of the songs she felt were really like very, very close and didn't, they didn't change too much. And some songs she just, she was like, let's try a really, you know, a new direction. And then some songs they were completely transformed by her, um, her kind of, yeah, her direction. She was really, I loved her fierceness. She was um, she was somebody who I felt safe with in a way that when she questioned me or she brought something up about a lyric or an idea, I felt like she was asking me for the right reasons and it wasn't to put me down or to make me feel insecure. It was to push me to be more honest and I really liked that about working with her because there were some songs like 60 Summers that wouldn't be what they are without okay. her having said, tell me more about this song and tell me more what it's about and tell me why you're saying that lyric or tell me what that lyric means. And, you know, I'm not saying that it's like 
I think there's a lot of really great producers out there that do that. Working with her, I was just, I was completely blown away by her, her real care for each element of it and really, um, really made me feel uh, special and like um, made me work really hard. And that was, um, yeah, that was great. She, she definitely knew where we, where, where we were going. You mentioned the title track, so let's let's ju- jump into that one uh, to to round off. Then, uh, what was it that she kind of helped you uh, get past, or what kind of push did she give you to get that song where it needed to be? Um, I think initially the song was called "Better Like This." It was um, it was uh, it was it was like I really like I liked the melodies and I liked the. Um, I liked the direction of the song, but it it, it lyrically um, it was quite light, you know. It was sort of about this, you know, um, sitting in the back of your car, making out, having a good time, and it makes me feel good, and you make me feel good. And um, but it wasn't really, um, I guess, at the heart of what I was writing about. There were some lyrics that uh, she sort of said, "Can you tell me more about this lyric? Like why?" do you not want this person to say sorry or why do you not want? Mm-hmm. And I started to um, talk about a relationship that I was in that had um, had uh, been really important to me, still is really important to me, and a period of my life where I was spending my summers in Australia and I'd tour all year round in Europe and um, the US and then I'd come home for Christmas, which is summer in Australia, and... Um, And I'd get home to this town where I grew up and I would spend the summers with a friend of mine. And, um, you know, I guess probably you feel the same way uh, about summer for you. It's a very celebratory time and it's got a lot of nostalgia attached because people are out and about and there's this feeling of like love is in the air and magic can happen. And, um, and we were having really lovely times and we were on our third summer um, in a row that we had spent together in our town. And we had this amazing night out and um, we were dancing at a party and she turned to me and she said, you know, sort of grabbed me by the shoulders and looked me in the eyes. And she said, can you believe we only have 60 summers left? And I felt um, a real, the real weight of how quickly life will uh, come and go. Um, I wasn't unaware before that of the finite nature of experience (laughs) as a human, but I felt very um, connected to how brief it is in in the nature of the seasons because I felt like it's one thing to say you have like, I don't know, um, whatever, 60 years maybe if you're lucky to live, but 60 summers felt like you really get a sense of how quickly summer comes and goes Mm. and all of a sudden it's summer again. Um, And I felt like only 60 of them, it it put a fire in my belly. Like I had to really live and I really had to live in a way that was going to be something I was proud of and something I could, uh, you know, um, look back on and I guess started thinking more about those moments when you're not going to be here anymore. And um, as I was telling the story to Annie, Annie said, that's the song. That's what you have to, that's what you have to sing about. And so the song became this um, story about sort of people getting lost along the way. And, mm. 
you know, the first chorus is about those simple things that probably at the time of death you remember, the moments shared with loved ones. Um, and then the second chorus is about we sort of were carrying all these bags around now and we went for the money and we went for the success and we went for this thing, but at what cost, you know, and, um, and the kind of outro is this really uh, how I often like to sing, but never sing like this very uh, wailing of that. We've only got 60 summers, like a desperate um, reminder of, you know, um, we will be six feet under <laughs> very soon. So, so do it, do it the right way. And I would say, especially with the, with the year that we've had, that that message becomes even more important because we had a summer where we couldn't do anything. So it's 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 it, like you say, it kind of um, emphasizes the point that that time is fleeting, and then we have to make make uh, yeah make make the best of it. Um, so one last question then, because I, I felt that when I listened to the album as a whole, it felt very summery in a way. Maybe it's because of some of the horns that were used sparingly mm. and. Um, but have you had the same sense? It, it does feel summer night, kind of uh, a summer night kind of vibe. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I definitely feel like that. It feels like um, hot and sweaty. And mm. I think, you know, a lot of the lyrics, it, it, it reminds me of um, moments and nights in okay. summer. But I also feel like musically it has this um, real pulsing to it. And, and, and that's sort of particularly Australian summer because it's very hot down here <laughs> but it's um it's that it is that feeling it's just like it's so ever, the, the 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 kind of world is alive in in the heat and um I think the record really suits that suits that feeling so um it will be coming out as we go into winter down here but for you guys it'll probably be the sure. perfect record <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah, let's let's hope that I, I don't. I'm just going to try and be optimistic. Let's hope then that by the time that there's summer over here, you get to get to come here and do a couple of shows. But oh my god, it's absolutely a dream. I just um, I, I I talk to my booking agents um quite often and just say, what do you guys think? And it's always bad news at the moment. Yeah. But I'm hoping uh, I ask enough times. Eventually, they'll say okay, you can do this and this is how it's going to work. And I think that eventually we'll have ways around, um, oh, sure. you know, Australia's we're in a good place now. So it looks like some shows are happening down here, which is exciting. And, you know, the dream is to get back up to Europe and, and see you guys and be there again. I really miss, I really miss it. Yeah. I, th I think in general, uh, human beings are very resilient and we'll get through this. Like we get through anything. So yeah, I let's agree. just hope for the best. Julia, it was yeah. an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. You too, Robin. Really lovely to speak with you. And I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you too. All right. Mm -hmm. Have a good one. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs>